Welcome to the Jack Weston MCAT Podcast with your host, Phil Hawkins and Asai Calderon Muñiz. Welcome. Do you hear sleigh bells ringing? I don't know oh, about should, you. We should have you got been naughty or nice this year? <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to our holiday episode. First, recognizing that a lot of different holidays are celebrated in December. Um, I hope that you are enjoying whatever holiday you do celebrate if it's already started. If not, hope that you are looking forward to it. We are looking forward to the holidays. I'm very much in like a festive Christmas spirit. I just heard, I think it was yesterday, heard a Spanish version of All I Want for Christmas is You. And I was like, my heart, my heart is so happy right now. (laughs) And I was joking. I was like, so is it better than the original? Because there's always you know, a ton with the Christmas songs of like different versions that come out, covers and whatnot. Um, but in a continued spirit of gratitude for y'all for this podcast episodes, for you, Phil, working together so many years. Uh, thank you to all of our listeners who made this podcast doable, because even though we're the ones recording, we want to know what you want to know. We do this for you guys and your listening is what keeps us going. So thank you so much for joining us this year. Thank you for listening like crazy to the highest yield MCAT topic episode. That was our most listened to and watched episode. And thank you all for sharing the uh, most important cars tip. That was our most shared podcast episode. And so we are so grateful for y'all for the opportunity to do another episode and this time being a more relaxed episode. Not that our others aren't relaxed, but just an ask us anything. And so there are a couple questions that we're like, okay, yeah, we can totally answer these. Um, Phil, anything before we get started? No, no, I am excited. I cannot believe how quickly this year has gone by. <laughs> it feels like it was just September. Um, I do. I also want to apologize if it sounds like I swallowed a Yule log to anybody <laughs> listening to me. Um, fighting a little bit of a cold, but um, I it's just that that makes me just want to bundle up and stay inside even more. And so I've, I'm kind of feeling the uh, the the Christmas podcast or the holiday podcast episode, um, even though I'm a, I'm a little bit froggy. So I apologize <laughs> to anybody listening to that. As long as you're not frosty. Right. Yes. Uh, So question that's starting us off. Happy holidays. What's your favorite winter activity? So for me, this one is so place dependent because being in, you know, undergrad, then medical school, both of which were away from home, uh, my primary home being away from where the majority of my family are, it really depends on where I'm going to be for the holidays, the winter So when I'm in Boston, for any folks that are here in Boston, uh, there's there's a frog pond. I don't like frogs. It's just the name that opens up and it freezes over and they have an ice skating rink there. And it's not very big. You know, it's on the smaller side of things, but it's so much fun to just go and ice skate and you can get some hot chocolate and whatnot. It's a very big mix. You have kids, you have couples, you have solo, um, and it's just nice to to go. You have friends. There have been times where um, I've gone by myself, times that I've gone with friends, times that I've gone with a significant other, and it's like, just skate. And I'm not good at it. I don't know about you, Phil. 
I fall on my derriere every single time, every year. That, um, strangely enough, what I was going to say to that matches what you were saying really well, which was, <laughs> um, so I have a, a brother who lives in Colorado. Um, I know I've talked about him a couple of times in free trial sessions and things like that. I sometimes call him the Rocky Mountain monkey surgeon because he is a veterinary surgeon. And so he <laughs> does actually surgery on monkeys. Um, but um, I like to visit him and go skiing. Um, I will say I am terrible at skiing. And that's the, the kind of linking thing between us. We both love winter sports, even though we're not maybe the best at them. Um, skiing is... I find it like really frustrating because I feel like the worse you are at skiing, the harder it is. And so like my brother like will go down like one slope and he's just like having a great time and he's just like standing the whole time and I'm like falling and floundering and like moving around. <laughs> and so by the time I get to the bottom, I'm covered in sweat and I'm like, I'm done. I'm tired. <laughs> I, I'm so exhausted. I can't even breathe. Um, but I do like that. But most of the my favorite Christmas stuff is just spending time with family like making Christmas cookies, um, you know, kind of that that holiday togetherness is really kind of the biggest thing overall. Um, yeah. yeah, I do want to say when you said frog pond, I got this image in my head. I, I don't no. know where this came from of like a like a, a very low stakes version of like the alligator farms in 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 florida and so there's a bunch of people like doing tricks with frogs and like oh like oh it almost got me um no you know, not, not, not the case no uh, i don't know if you know this and now other people are gonna know this i don't like frogs i used to be terrified of them now instead of a full-blown phobia it's like a disgust which is odd because anyone who knows um the coqui in puerto rico is essentially a frog um but I grew up listening to it, love it. In my head, they're two different things and they are not related, even though they are. But yeah, when I'm back home with family, my favorite holiday activity definitely changes. And cookies, I convinced my uh, my family to bake cookies this year and watch some uh, movies. But we're probably going to have some new Christmas traditions now that my nephew's getting a little older. And so I'm looking forward to what those might be. Uh, and then if I'm in Puerto Rico with my extended family, the food, is, it just, it hits yeah. different. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and my uncle in particular, he tends to go all out. And um, there's, this is not for everyone's taste, but there's something that he makes um, uh, called penira la barra, which is essentially like pig roasted on a bar, like rotating. Oh. It's yeah, like a like giant on a rotating, rotating spit. Bar. Yeah. Yes, there we go. That's the word, uh, I think. So that is like an all-day thing and just like making food with my family who I don't spend as much time with. So very place-dependent. All different stuff to just enjoy. And if y'all don't have a favorite winter activity, if you're not a winter person, find something because guess what? It comes every year, whether we like it or not. So might as well have something that you're looking forward to over the holiday winter season yeah so our second question i feel like this is this is right up my alley um <laughs> which is uh you know my other favorite holiday thing and this is not really holidays this is my other favorite thing period it's just talking about science um and so somebody asked uh, do you think we can get to clean nuclear fusion energy 
And <laughs> that I, that is a very big jump in topics, but I'm super excited to talk about it. Um, <clears throat> I do. So first off, just a little bit of like basic clarification in case students are unaware of like, wait, what is this fusion thing? Um, fusion is whenever you like fuse two nuclei together. Um, that's what happens in the sun where hydrogen is fused into helium. Um, and that releases a ton of energy due to the mass defect. So it turns out when you combine two hydrogens into helium, the mass actually drops. So you lose mass. So all those scientists and teachers and probably even me who at some point said mass cannot be created or destroyed, we're kind of <laughs> lying a little bit. Like you can convert it to energy. Um, and so this straight uh, equation for this, and this is MCAT testable, so I don't feel too guilty nerding out about this. Um, but the equation for that is E equals MC squared, which is an equation everyone knows, but most students, most people don't know what that equation is for. So the energy is equal to the mass times the speed of light squared. Um, and so the the problem with that is like getting those hydrogens to fuse with each other. You have to heat them up so much that um, you have to put in so much energy, kind of like you can think about it like um, like getting TNT to explode, right? Like uh, you have to like light the wick. And so you got to put in heat to get this thing to eventually give off lots of heat. Um, most of the cases where we've done experiments with nuclear fusion have not, um, we've had to put in more energy than we got out, except for last year, we they did an experiment where they got more energy out than they put in, <clears throat> which is kind of like the first um, the first kind of like step of like, oh my gosh, this is possible. Um, and so can we get clean nuclear fusion energy? Kind of, we already have, which is awesome. But the problem is at scale, the idea of like releasing so much, um, because the energy that gets released is so, so much. Um, this also happens in a hydrogen bomb, which is when you like set off a re regular uranium bomb that heats up the hydrogen to the point where you can get this fusion. Um, and so it's kind of like the, in that example, like the nuclear bomb of like with the uranium is like the, the lighting, the wick and the hydrogen is actually the TNT. Um, and so, you know, it's a lot of energy when like the nuclear bomb is not, is just the thing you use to set off the hydrogen bomb. Um, and so hydrogen bombs release so, so, so much energy. And so being able to contain this, um, we were able to do that in a very, very, very small amount. And so being able to scale that up and contain it is something that is, um, everybody is, um, working on. I will say there are Nobel prizes that are going to be awarded for the stuff that's going on right now with that. And I do honestly think that nuclear fusion is going to be a thing, hopefully in my lifetime. Um, I honestly, like really looking, looking forward to that um, because hydrogen is so it's the most abundant element in the universe. It's two thirds of the atoms in the ocean and it's like two thirds of most of you. And so hydrogen is literally everywhere. And so just a little bit of, of hydrogen can go a long way. Like the amount of hydrogen needed to power the U.S. for a year is not going to be measured in tons. 
it's going to be measured in grams and kilograms, like how much actual hydrogen we need if we can get this nuclear fusion working at scale. And so super exciting. Um, but that is yeah. that that is that is kind of a you know hydrogen bombs. That's what everyone talks about during the holidays. <laughs> well, so if anyone's interested and in not just in like nuclear energy in general, but also how it's testable on the MCAT. We recently did, I think it was October. I just looked and it was uh, not October, August. Um, So August we did, is that, yeah, eighth eighth month is August. (laughs) Um, So back in August, we did an episode talking about the atomic bomb, nuclear physics, all of this. So if you want some MCAT testable material, um, like a deeper dive, you can hop over there. But yeah, to your point, Phil, it's, it's also something that when people hear nuclear energy, they think nuclear fission, right? The the very messy stuff that we have now, which is the They're opposite breaking apart. of exactly yeah. the opposite of nuclear fusion, which is ripping apart heavy um, atoms. And this represents nuclear fusion. I should specify this represents a cleaner source of energy. And because it has that nuclear, it tends to still get a better up from people who aren't aware of what it is and what the difference is. Um, but yeah, going net net energy gain, net positive is huge. And you know that companies are going to be investing in this because the payoff would be huge mm-hmm. for this. And with the size of our growing um, global economy, the, the amount of energy that's going to be required is just going to keep going up, mm-hmm. right? So it's a huge market. I agree with you. We will probably get to the point where it is scalable because we're at the point where it's possible. The question is just how quickly. Yeah, the scalability is a big factor. And not I don't want to nerd out too much on this. Um, but the like one of the problems with it is you get so much energy from it coming out. So containing it is one thing. Yeah. But then also understanding that like humanity, like we need like we need energy, not like a big burst of it once a year. We need energy kind of evenly throughout the year. And so like trying to like figure out how to kind of convert this into a way that makes sense, because maybe we can do like a a fusion event that gives us lots of energy. But how do we hold that energy and be able to release that over like the coming weeks? That's (laughs) one of the that's one is legitimately that is a benefit of coal fired power plants is that you can just run the power plants year round and you can run them more when you need more energy and you can run them less when you need less energy. So the ability to kind of like adjust your output to what is needed at the moment is something that's an important part of the energy equation. Um, But like the thing with hydrogen is that like it releases so, so much energy, which almost becomes a problem Mm -hmm. because how do you contain it and what do you do with it, especially if you don't need it all right now. And so like needing gigantic, huge energy banks, which is hard to dig up the the materials and like get enough of the materials to build the battery banks. Uh, and then batteries can age and fail and things like that. And the best batteries actually um, have some some limits and things where they can be kind of explosive in and of themselves, like storing that much energy, they can become kind of dangerous. And so um, there's a lot of different like problems as a part of this. Um, I think that the fact that like I'm thinking about like, oh, one of the big problems with the the fusion thing is where does the energy go? Right. Like, how do we store it? Like, that's that's 
a good problem to have because all of a sudden we're getting past like is this possible into like how do we actually do it and the implementation um i will say i do think we are a long ways away from it um i don't think that's going to be coming out next year or the year after or the year after that um but i think that in the coming decades um this is going to get scaled up and it's eventually hopefully going to replace the need for any coal-fired power plants or even like uh solar panels or things like that because it's will be such a an abundant and cheap source of energy yeah i'm personally in this we can end with this but i'm i'm personally very curious to know how ai like the massive growth of ai would influence the development of this and just like in terms of idea generation right making connections that maybe we're not already making or um just being able to utilize and process more information at once. But in any case, <laughs> so we've hit holidays, we've hit general science and a touch of MCAT. Uh, coming back to the MCAT, another question was, what is your highest yield MCAT study tip? And so there are so many study tips that I think are really valuable. And I think that it is a little it's not different, but there are slight variations that I would give between cars and science. But in one word or in two words, quality review is the most important thing, in my opinion, that you can do when you're studying for the MCAT. Because even if you have all the content that you have to have memorized, let's say you're not making the connections when you're studying, when you're answering questions, when you're reading the passages, it's going to make answering the questions and getting those points a lot harder. And so if you don't review and do a quality review, how do you know why you're missing questions? With the sciences, it's levels, right? And we've talked about this. Um, and Phil, maybe, I don't know if you're planning on saying something similar or not, but um, with the sciences, right, you might have three content pieces that you need to answer a question, plus some data interpretation from the graph that you're given in the table. Or maybe there's math and you need to know which equation to apply, how to apply it, get through the arithmetic. And so an error can occur at, excuse me, any of those levels. But if you don't know where it's happening, you don't know what to fix or what to target. So maybe you think your issue is content, but it's actually application. Um, and it's maybe it's data analysis and interpretation. So that can change what you focus on for the sciences in a really powerful way. The same thing is true for cars. So cars, it's just strategy. Like if you've, if you've been to one of my free trial sessions uh, for cars, I emphasize this. It is purely strategy. There is no content that you need to know. And so understanding how you think through when you're reading the passage, when you're answering the questions is of utmost importance. If you are not thoroughly reviewing a car's passage, you can do 20 passages daily till kingdom come before your exam and doesn't mean you're going to see increase. And I think a lot of times students are like, oh, okay, more, more, more. That's how I improve. But more without the review is not actually going to help. And part of why I say it's a little different with um, with cars is that you're just focusing on how you're thinking, not just what you know. And so I think with the sciences, it, for some people, it can be tougher to review the sciences effectively. For some, it might be tougher to review cars effectively. It just depends how you're used to thinking about how you think. Um, and I want to say this for anyone who hasn't been to one of my... Um, Cars free trial sessions, you're always welcome to join. This is your first set of patients. 
treat them as such for cars, the passages. And so something to keep in mind, the MCAT, yes, you want to score well on it. Also use it as an opportunity to get yourself ready for med school because you can rush through, learn bad habits on the MCAT when you're studying because it's a months long process. You will pick up habits when you are studying for the MCAT. The question is, do you want to bring those habits into medical school and beyond? I think that's an important question. So I guess I kind of gave two tips. Yeah. No, I I actually was going to say something very similar, which is just that diagnose, like spend time diagnosing what your biggest problem is so that you can address that. And that's exactly kind of what you were saying. I always like to use the analogy of like, let's say you're trying to build a race car and you have this car and your motor is a motor from a go-kart or a lawnmower. And like, so this is not a good motor. Um, A lot, there are students out there that have like, this is the biggest thing that's holding them back. But then they spend a lot of time on other things, right? So like my race car, which I'm trying to win the Indy 500 with, has the engine of a lawnmower in it. And I'm putting on better tires. And I spent, you know, like thousands of dollars putting on tires that would increase my time by like 0.1%. And like, yeah, that actually is an improvement. And that took a lot of work and a lot of money and a lot of effort. And then I like, you know, reshaped the spoiler from scratch and like, you know, did a bunch of like engineering design studies and things like that. But the problem is the engine and like, I need to address that. And so a lot of times students are... They they tend to focus on things that are not the biggest issue. Um, and that's why it's really important to diagnose, right? And like review is where you do that diagnosing. And so I think reviewing is also something that I would say in an effort to try to give a different answer um, <laughs> to that. I would say the other side of this, the other big problem that I see with students is not like a specific topic, but motivation and not mm-hmm. burning out. And so like keeping your motivation up, but not like pushing yourself too hard. And so I think creating a good study schedule and it's hard because like the two pieces of advice are like one, you need to be like really flexible and adjust and like change what you're doing based on the reviews and things like that. And the other one is you need to build a great schedule like from the beginning and like those two things actually are kind of at odds to each other, which is why it's important in your study schedule to build in that time to review and then build in time like this is when I'm going to go hit whatever my weakest areas are based on that review. Um, I do know that we have we did a study schedule podcast back in October 19th. Um, so you can go back and and hit that. But I would say that's the other side of that. Um, and recognize that your study schedule should look different than other people's study schedule, which is hard. Uh, Mm -hmm. because it would be really nice if you could just go and like, here's a great study schedule. I'm going to download and just follow this schedule. But, and that study schedule may actually be a great schedule for the person who made it, but it might not be the best schedule for you. And so figuring out like, how do I make sure that I'm working on the part of the car that is the biggest problem? Um, I'm swapping out the engine if that's my problem. But there are other students who their problem is not the engine. Their problem is the tires, right? They're using bicycle tires. I'm like, nope, that's not going to work on a race car. Um, and so swapping that out to car tires is going to make a much bigger difference um, for that specific student. Um, hopefully my analogy has not gotten super confusing and lost <laughs> in this. But like understanding like 
yeah, build in this time and see your study schedule and allow yourself to understand that this is a trajectory thing. And this is a more of a marathon than a sprint. And so you need to have like some structure to it. And I say that as somebody who generally I am bad <laughs> with structure, but I maybe that's just the thing that I needed the most is like I needed to structure and schedule and understand that I'm not going to master this in a week. I'm not going to master this in a month. It's going to take me a long time to do it, but I need to have make sure that I'm approaching it the right way. Absolutely. And because they're applicable, I can't help but share my two favorite quotes. Uh, the very first one is that it's about progression, not perfection. We don't expect you to be perfect at this when you start. The AMC does not expect you to be perfect at this when you start. Um, that's why they allow for things like rescheduling. So it's important to have that grace with yourself and say, okay, anytime that I'm learning something new, anytime that I make a mistake, it's a learning opportunity. And that goes with the second kind of quote. It's that a weakness is just a strength you haven't cultivated yet. And so in finding your weak areas, you have the opportunity to cultivate new strengths. And so maybe cars is currently your weakest section. That doesn't mean it has to stay that way. You have the potential to grow in this section and eventually be able to help other people grow in this section as well. Um, so looking at these as opportunities to learn is helpful, not just when studying for the MCAT, but also for your future career. You are going to make mistakes. We are going to make mistakes. That's when we're taking a test in med school, when we are talking to patients and forget to ask a question and the supervising physicians like, mm, here's some things that you could have done better. We can either freak out, freeze, shut down, or we can say, okay, that's uncomfortable, but I can learn something from this. And so that growth mentality is also really important. I do want to emphasize that, yes, it can totally feel at odds when we're saying flexible and structured. Uh -huh. Build the flexibility into the structure. And so if you haven't already listened, strongly recommend that you go back to, you said October 19th? 17th. 17th? October 19th, 17th? You were right. 19th of yeah. this year of 2023 um, so that you can hear a little bit more about how to, to build that both in general and more concretely. But coming in with a plan is a great, is an important, I should say, way yeah. to start your MCAT prep. I would add one more thing. Know your amino acids. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know that that's a really simple, easy, low-hanging thing, but there's a reason we emphasize it so much is like you are going to get more questions on amino acids probably than you will the entire field of organic chemistry. Um, and so it is worth making sure that you know those. And also why it has its own podcast episode. Yeah. That yeah. was the, the, um, the most watched podcast episode. Yeah. And I'll see if it looks like that was February 24th, a few years back. So probably one of yes. our first ones. Yeah. Um, that was the reason that was one of the <laughs> early ones. Um, I feel like this is strangely turning into like, oh, turn back the clock and look at all the previous podcast episodes, which <laughs> was not the plan. But not uh, at all. Let's be very clear. <laughs> yeah. All of these questions like, oh, there's more to say about these things. But like we actually mentioned that in a previous podcast. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So I know that the next question was, what do you wish you would have known before getting to med school? And this is a very interesting question where I find myself, my brain is running through like, oh, there's like a bunch of things that I wish I would have known. Um, like one, just more anatomy and physiology, because I did not take that in undergrad and that made things hard. But from like a more meta perspective, and I think that this is actually applicable to the MCAT as well. Um, 
the first six months of med school were really hard for me because I did not, I equated quantity. I thought quantity of studying was more important than quality of studying. And so I would just be studying all the time, but it was a very passive kind of studying. And I wasn't actually learning as much, even though I was putting in so many hours of work. Um, and this is something that I see often with students and MCAT students are hardworking. Um, that, that's a general, like, I feel confident saying that general trend, like that is usually followed. Um, but the problem is putting in that work where you're not going to get the return on that investment of your time. Yeah. Um, I like to use the analogy of somebody like trying to run through a wall and they're just like running. And it, the problem is not that they're not trying hard enough, right? It's that this, this is not the way to do it. Like you want to take them, like take a step to the right, go through the door, right? Like that's so much easier, right? And at least for me, when I was in under, or when I was in med school, I was like, oh, I just need to do more and I need to do harder. And I didn't stop and think like, I'm approaching this wrong. And understanding that there is a big difference between like really high quality studying and low quality studying. And I was doing low quality, but with lots and lots of time and lots of effort. And it just was not, um, like, wasn't giving me what I needed. I think that that actually relates a lot to the MCAT as well. Um, I see that a lot with students who are putting in, the problem is not, a lot of, I'm projecting myself onto students at this moment <laughs> going through there. I would feel like, oh, I just need to try harder. I just need to work harder and then I'll be okay. But the problem was, no, I just need to change the 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 frame, right? Like come at this from kind of a different angle. Yeah, that resonates so much, Phil. The transition to undergrad from undergrad to med school can be a tough one, depending mm -hmm. on how you've been approaching undergrad and what your exposure has been like, because I suspect, like many of our listeners, there was a lot that I could cram for. And there was a lot that I was like, okay, I just need to know this. I'll bring dump after the exam. We keep going. We've got to get these grades, you know, pre-med mentality, try and uh, keep my GPA as, as high as possible and whatnot. But with med school, I wouldn't want my physician doing that. I wouldn't want no. my provider doing that because if they're learning for an exam and then brain dumping, they're not going to remember the information yeah. if I need them to or if other patients need them to. Uh, and I think that that's something that can get reinforced when students are studying for the MCAT of let's learn this for the sake of learning it. We can brain dump later. And it breaks my heart because it might make you successful on the MCAT, but it can bite you in the bum with medical yeah. school. And there were a couple of things that I wish I would have known. The first, and it sounds so cliche and I say it very often, is that I wish I would have known our CARS passages were our first set of patients. Mm -hmm. It wasn't something I realized until we were seeing patients in clinic and practicing interviewing patients. And it was like, oh, this makes sense. And mm -hmm. that was some of the strongest feedback that I got early in my, in my medical school career. Once I kind of figured out how we were going to go about this, my interviewing skills were stronger, understandably, than other skills that needed more content that, you know, the physical exam, et cetera, whatever. Um, but that mind shift is what allowed me to get stronger at that component. And that's something that every single patient that you meet for the rest of your career, you will be doing some form of interview, right? Mm -hmm. And so 
being able to listen, to find what matters to them, to what's most important in the story that you might need later on, that's cars. That is also patient interaction and patient um, experience. And I don't know if I've shared the story on the podcast, but early in the year, my we were the entire family essentially was visiting in Puerto Rico, my grandma, and she was asleep when I left the house. And she lives independently, you know, so there was no real concern anyway. Um, and all of a sudden, a couple minutes later, my uh, cousin's wife comes screaming that she fell. And so we're all we just mad rush to the house and she was on the ground and like not really confused, but wasn't 100 percent sure what had happened beforehand. And we're like, we need to take you to the hospital. We need to take you to the hospital. So our priority in that moment is get this elderly woman who fell, who has glass all around her, who has severe pain to the hospital. No, 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 no. OK, why not? <laughs> and she wanted coffee because she fell on her way to get coffee. And she would not let us take her to the hospital until we got her coffee. I am not kidding. I am not kidding. She had a room full of concerned family members and we could not get her to go to the hospital until she had her coffee. So if we had not listened to what was important to her, guess <laughs> what? We wouldn't have made it to the hospital. And yeah. thank God that we did because she ultimately needed a shoulder um, replacement and was in the hospital for a little bit leading up to that because unfortunately, Puerto Rico's health system is not great and they had to wait until um, parts were imported because they ran out over the weekend. Enough people broke their shoulders and needed replacements, but just kind of wild. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you don't know what matters to your patient, good luck getting that buy-in. And I share that story and I love my grandmother to pieces. She is not the only patient. And I say patient in that moment. She kind of was yeah. my patient, not really, but yes. Um, that, you know, I've had to have conversations with about things that didn't seem like a priority to me or didn't seem like an immediate medical priority, but that were enough of a priority for the patient that without addressing that wouldn't have gotten what yeah, they you're not going to get to what you need to get to because exactly yeah and the other thing i wish i really would have known was about balance like you i was like okay more i just I'm, I'm struggling i see other people they're you know onking their way through anatomy and physiology probably had a lot more background than i did on that you know um thankfully some of the material because i'd been tutoring for the mcat even after i took the exam and before starting med school that material was actually familiar to me. So mm -hmm. for that material, I had an advantage, but for the other material, it was it was a lot. And so eventually it got to a point where I actually started going out social dancing, um, primarily bachata and salsa twice a week. And it was actually so much better because even though I was taking time out of my schedule a couple hours twice a week to go do this thing, it was so rejuvenating. It was a mental break. It was exercise. It was meeting new people in a controlled environment. Um, I met physicians during <laughs> those social dancing. Um, and there was one in particular who was a urologist and was one of the most interesting people you would meet. Um, and this was here in Boston. And I think that I also became more effective in my studying and efficient in my studying during that time because I was prioritizing sleep. I was prioritizing my well-being and I probably was giving my brain the chance, the downtime to actually create the memories and consolidate the memories. Sleep is important for memory consolidation. So I think I wish I would have known all of those things in medical school more, but I'll stop there. Seven no, times. that's that's kind of funny because I feel like that's similar. Like I was focusing on like study less 
um, and you're like, make time for these other things. And like, those are kind of similar kind of going through there. Yeah. And it was only when I was able to like, I had to make time for other things that I had to change my study habits. And so that balance is incredibly important. I will also say just as like a warning to students, like balance is important, like in that case, and you do want to kind of keep that in mind. But think about that kind of beforehand. Yeah. Like, I really encourage you to like sit down and like make a like write out like what are my priorities here? Um, and like things like family is a priority. Things like um, being physically fit because like a certain level of exercise, honestly, I think will make you better at studying. Um, I'm not saying you have to go to the gym for two hours a day, but That's like going for walks, going dancing, things like that, like honestly will have a positive impact on your grades. But there are going to be things that like you are not going to have enough time. Like that is yeah. the the limiting reagent in med school is you just need more time for everything. Um, and so understand that there may be some things that you need to cut back on and <laughs> maybe that you don't need to cut completely. But like let those people in your life know, like, listen, it's I don't it's not that I don't want to be your friend anymore, but like to like I'm probably only going to have time to get together like maybe once a month. Um, like in the evenings. And so like, let's make that happen because I really want to make this work. But my life is chaos at the moment and will be for the foreseeable future. But this is something <laughs> that I value and I want to make time for this, but I can't make as much time as I want to. Um, and I think having those conversations with people is useful, um, especially if it's um, people in your life that you spent a lot of time with. And as you go into med school, you're going to have less time. And so just making sure to let those people know that you do value them in your life. And it's not that you all of a sudden don't care about them. It's just all of a sudden you've got 80,000 things on your plate and you're trying to balance and juggle all of those things. And I think it does get better with time in the sense that even though there are more things buying for your time, you get better at managing your time and you get better at understanding what your particular priorities are. And if you listen to our our Thanksgiving episode on uh, role strain, role conflict, et cetera, you know, it's it's really about finding what your priorities are, even in the context of those different roles that you have. Yeah. And it's nice when you can find ways that they can overlap. So yeah. really quick, and then we can shift to the next question. Yeah. No, um, I was, yeah, okay. I agree. No, no, go ahead. I can share mine after. No, no, I was just going to say, I feel like you said everyone gets better. Um, at managing that time, I feel like what happens to me is I get better at managing my time. And so I add more stuff yeah. onto it. And so it's like, <laughs> I'm constantly have too, like too much stuff and like, oh, I get better. And then I'm like, oh, now I have room for more. And just like that, ba that battle is a battle that has been going on nonstop for 15 years where I keep like adding more stuff the moment I get better at, at kind of juggling. Also the same. <laughs> yeah. Recently started uh, helping out at a nonprofit, both because of interest and at school. And right. it has been a wild ride trying <laughs> to add an extra an extra 10 hours into my week. But it's stuff that I don't I'm not at a place where I'm going to give it up. So it's a yeah. matter of figuring out how to do it. But if it were something else. Right. And it, it has some overlap with school, which makes it uh -huh. easier and more manageable in that sense. Uh, but if it had zero overlap, something would have to get shaved back a little bit and refined that yeah. um, balance. But, oh, man, 
I forgot what I was going to say now. Oh, I'm sorry. I hijacked it. Like you were just saying like, oh, you get better at it. I'm like, I feel like it hasn't gotten better. I'm like, oh, I have gotten better. I just am worse (laughs) about overloading myself. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Well, maybe it'll come to mind later. Maybe it won't. Uh, Then our last question, rounding us out. So we've, recapping, we've covered holidays, science, MCAT, med school. (laughs) Now we're going to be wrapping up with the admissions process and cycle. So the question is, do you have any recommendations for the application process? Should I be starting now? The answer is yes. So if you have not already started, take a breather, make sure you're still enjoying your holidays, put that on your radar, separate a little bit of time, some downtime that you might have. Oh, combining the roles. Don't let me forget. Um, So uh, you can take some downtime right? When maybe when folks are working, when the rest of your family is working, you're at home, you have some downtime, start working on your personal statement. Your personal statement is one of the most important, if not arguably the most important component of your application, because even if you have perfect stats, a bad, a poor personal statement can cost you the interview. You may not even get an interview if your personal statement is bare bones, very generic, not well written. Those are flags for medical schools. Nope. So the the numbers will get you in the first kind of phase, right? Some schools, they do have cutoffs. Some schools don't have exp- uh, specific cutoffs, but still pay attention to those numbers. And then they want to know, okay, who's this applicant as a person? Because we see that they have enough clinical shadowing hours. We see that they've done research. We see that they've been involved in some volunteer work. Maybe the volunteer work gives us an idea as to what matters to them, but maybe not because maybe they're just checking off boxes. Who are they? What have they gone through? What inspires them to be a doctor? That personal statement is where that should come through and absolutely shine. And Phil, I know we've talked about this. It took me a lot of versions to get to the personal statement that ultimately got me into medical school. And that meant a lot of revisions. Your schools may, so some schools, if they're doing a committee letter, may have their own deadline, which may be, excuse me, much earlier than the one for the AMC and for submitting your application. So be aware of any that your school has and do not leave it for the last minute. The, then also making sure that you're giving yourself time to ask other people for their opinion on your personal statement. The reason being, you know what you're trying to say in your personal statement and what information about yourself you're trying to convey, how you're trying to convey it. But just because you have that intention doesn't mean that's how it comes off. And so people who don't know you and people who know you but don't know you well, when they read your personal statement, they're going to get a different idea of who this person on paper is. And so you want to have time to ask other people for their input, give them time to give you the feedback, and also have time to edit as needed. And there might be different aspects of your story that you choose to include in different drafts and then maybe combine them, keep them separate, you know, focus on one over the other. Uh, but you also want to just give yourself that time. It takes a while. I lost track of how many yeah. edits I had. I kept every version and I would just save as. And I yeah. know that it was in the double digits. Yeah. How high in the double digits? Don't remember anymore. Yeah. I like definitely like 20, 25, like dozens is like for sure of edits and like like how do you define an edit like if i removed a sentence and added a different sentence is that a new edit because if so there was probably like 40 50 edits to this <laughs> um 
just kind of taking a like that's a very practical thing of like yes like work on this early um understand that process is i think important um to kind of like step back and do like a, a meta look at this um i think understanding understanding the infrastructure of how the application process works not just from your angle but from med school's angle because um, i feel like when you understand what are other people looking for helps like that helps you know kind of like how to emphasize and focus on the things that you're looking at um and it is as a, a medical school applicant you are on the losing side of a supply and demand problem um yeah. there are more qualified applicants than there are spaces in med school and so as a result your job with your application is to stand out um not to blend in mm -hmm. if if it was the other way around like there was not enough applicants then blending in is fine and the, the reason I bring this up is during my interview uh, like process, I approached it as like, I just need to not say the wrong thing and they'll let me in. Like if I just avoid saying the wrong thing, I'll be okay. And so as a result, I gave short answers. Like I tried to give less information because I was just so afraid of saying the wrong thing. And the first five schools I interviewed at, I did not get into any of them. And I think that's why. The last five schools I interviewed at, I got into all of them. And that's because I kind of had this frame shift where I started getting more interested in the process. I was more relaxed. And so I would like, I would give answers that were not even like a definitive answer where they would say, like, they'd ask me about something and I would focus on like, oh, well, well, there's kind of multiple sides of this problem. And like this thing, like I would start to kind of like go into just kind of like more discussing the problem and understanding the multiple sides versus before I would say like, well, I think this is important. And then I would just be done. And like being able to show that like, like your thought process, who are you as a person, um, express who you are. And even to the point where I know we've talked about this before, but don't be afraid to talk about bad things, right? Like I have had depression or I have like struggled with this or my grades dropped because I spent like during COVID, I became a caretaker for somebody um, and I was dealing with like distance learning and like all on top of all of that, like I had a job and like my grades dropped and things happened there. Um, and that's fine to talk about like problems and things that you have overcome. Like we don't want our physicians to be perfect people. We want them to be real people who have learned how to deal with things and strategies for dealing with things. Like if I I'm struggling with depression. I want my physician to be someone who has struggled with depression and who has found ways to kind of go through this because they understand what I'm going through. And like that is way better than having a, a physician who has had a perfect life and never had any problems. And so being, don't be afraid to like open up about yourself and like, like give more information about yourself um because like i said there's there's more applicants than spots and so you need to open up you need to give more information about yourself and it's not just like hold back and like don't say the wrong thing it's like no say everything um and the more information you give the better off you're going to be now the way you phrase it and that sort of thing that might be the yeah. other side of things it's like practice that like understand kind of like how you're going to to talk about those things. 
um, both in your personal statement and then secondaries and interviews. I'll also say one other thing, which is you should like if you're wanting to apply to med school in this upcoming cycle, um, working on your personal statement now is, I think, a good idea. But okay. also be aware of secondaries are going to take you more time than you think. Um, honestly, like the secondaries was something I really underestimated. But know that coming up, like your job during the winter is going to be to like write one really amazing essay. Your job when you get secondaries is going to be write 50 essays. And like that's something to like understand that that's a big time commitment and make sure that you have time in your schedule for that. Um, coming up because I did not. And that's where I dropped the ball. And that's why I was scrambling on secondaries. And so I didn't have time to prep for interviews. And that's why I bombed the first five interviews I did um, was because like I can kind of trace that back to I didn't understand the secondaries. And so understanding the process overall and kind of planning for that is something I would recommend. I will say we did. I promise this was not our intention to continuously bring up prior podcast episodes, uh -huh. um, but I think they're they're relevant. So yeah. we did one with our uh, admissions expert here at Jack Weston, Nicole, about interviews. So that was in September. I don't know the exact year. So just I think it was last either this year or last probably year. last year. So um, you can Google Jack Weston MCAT podcast Nicole interviews and it should come up. Uh, but there's a lot that you can do in preparation for the interview process. Um, I just also want to add when you're writing your personal statement, every single thing in there is fair game for questions. Everything on your application is fair game for questions during interviews. And make sure that you can talk about those things without breaking down. Because yes, it's great if you can be authentic. But if being authentic and sharing parts of your story means you can't continue with the interview because you are in tears, not something to include on your application. So to just be very mindful of that. Um, but yeah, Phil, to your point, even with the when you were answering questions and focusing on the thought process, that's authentic to who you are as right. a person. And that shows because if that's so, if someone is, you know, their thing is being decisive. Here are the reasons that I believe this. Right. That if they start trying to force something that isn't them, it will come through. And so I like to think of the interview process as, okay, we think we know who you are based on your application, based on your personal statement, were we right? What else can we get about who you are as a person? And that's where that interview process is so powerful. And just one, one last thought, I have so many thoughts, but I know we need to wrap up. Uh, that interview process is a two-way street. Yes, they are interviewing you, but you are also interviewing them. There was one school I took immediately off my list because the moment I sat down, people were comparing MCAT scores and trying to one-up each other. And I was like, I, if you can't filter some of this out, I don't want to be here because I'm scared of how you're going to filter out the interviews. Uh, and so because, you know, schools have a select number of interview slots, right? So I want to see that the people I'm interviewing with are people I want to go to school with for at least the next four years. So that's a little harder in the world of Zoom, but just something to keep in mind that if the interviewers are being dismissive or if you ask them, so what's the most recent change that the school has made based on student feedback and they can't think of anything, that mm -hmm. should be a red flag. Well, are they not responsive to student feedback? Or if you ask them a question about, you know, what programming do you have in addition to what's on the website, assuming you've looked, that supports your students? 
they can't give anything, red flag, right? So yeah. you have that opportunity. Make sure that you take advantage of it. And it can feel like, aside, you're saying that because you're already in medical school. I was told this by a, yeah. a med student before I started interviewing. And I took that to heart because I said, okay, well, here I am as a med school. Where are you? Right. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be miserable the next four plus years. Uh, so something to keep in mind. That's why you work really hard to make yourself a competitive applicant from the beginning so uh -huh. that you can go in with that confidence and say, <laughs> I'm a great applicant and I want to make sure that I am at a place that will help me be successful over the next coming years um, for the role, the role strain yes. and the role conflict. So what I was going to say that this actually also applies when you're preparing for applications, um, especially even during the holidays and breaks, you can combine, you can overlap the different role expectations to your advantage. So for example, um, being a quote unquote good daughter is really important to me. Love my parents to pieces. My mom, she's someone that is very communicative. That consistent communication is very important to both of us at this point. Being a good student, again, quote unquote, good, let's, the gross oversimplification um, is also <laughs> important, right? Being able to learn and study and do well on the material I'm turning in, et cetera, is also important to me. And what I've started doing and have done more, I think, in a different way in med school and the public health school than undergrad, but still related is my mom and I will have a conversation. And so sometimes the conversation, you know, might be her venting, right? Sometimes the conversation is, hey, can you listen to me read my paper? And it's on uh, public policy changes regarding uh, police response during a mental health crisis. She's like, okay, no idea what I'm talking about. But she lets me read it. I process, I find the errors, and she learned something in the process. And so for us, that actually becomes another form of connection for the med school stuff. Okay. Um, I need to talk through diabetes management. All right. Do you mind listening? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. She's listening. She learned something. I get to practice, reinforce what I know, find my weak areas. And in that case, she actually ends up being able to talk about diabetes with my grandma. So mm. there are ways that you can overlap the expectations from roles to your advantage. Um, spending, yeah. if you know, you have friends that really require a lot of time and they're those folks that they're like, I just need to, to spend more time with a friend to feel connected. See if you can overlap some of that. Um, yeah, that's a big thing. Like learning to, like I need a certain level of socialization. I also need exercise. I also need to study <laughs> and like trying to do all of that. And like, hey, my friend Joe, Joe, do you want to go for a walk? And we can just kind of like yep. talk through some like biochem as we're as we're like going on our walk and like that is that is honestly those are some of my best memories mm -hmm. from med school was just like these like walk and talks where we would like study as we walked and just kind of like talk through things together and that worked really well because like he would understand things that I didn't and mm -hmm. I would understand things that he didn't and me being able to explain things and him being able to explain things. We would often like break things up and like you, you take this, I'll take this and then we'll do a walk and talk and like go through this. And like that was honestly, I feel like I learned more from that time than I would have if I was just sitting by myself and I got to socialize and hang out with my friend and I got some exercise and got to walk my dog. 
Um, and like all of those things, like being able to, that might go into that, like becoming more efficient with your mm-hmm. time and work and like those priorities. But I do think it is, that's one of the reasons that I encourage students to like write out what are those priorities of things that you need to yep. do and then take a second and look at that. And so like, is there ways to, are there ways to combine some of these and smush them together to make sure that I'm, I'm getting all of my needs met as a person, as well as staying on top of the things that I need to. And just make sure to note at least three that are non-negotiable for you. Because otherwise, almost anything can end up being negotiated and hurt you long-term. And I promise I will stop talking after this. Um, This does not mean that every single thing that you do has to revolve around studying. I want to be very clear about that. It is important. Exactly. Should not. It is important to take time away from studying. So not your friend should not become your friend time should not become exclusively studying and whatever. Nice. Have some time to decompress, de-stress, have a day off every week. Uh, but it's just ways to when you are in a study mode, incorporate that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to thank everyone for coming. Like honestly, mm-hmm. it's kind of fun to just like answer questions, like random yeah. questions coming in. Um everything everything from nuclear fusion to to like, oh, the walk and talks and stuff like that. Um, it's kind of fun to kind of talk about those things. Um, and hopefully you guys found it interesting. If you did, or if you have any follow-up questions, honestly, email us, podcast at jackweston.com. Um, and then we will be all about, you know, kind of like checking in and kind of looking through those. I honestly would like to do more kind of like AMA stuff. I know this was kind of Let's a Christmas special thing, but that's it's kind of fun to to kind of go through and do that interaction. For sure. And you can also leave us questions by interacting with the Q&A and the uh, polls on the Spotify platform. Yeah. All right. Happy well, holidays. happy holidays, everyone. Um, hopefully you are enjoying that time together, time with family. Um, I know for a lot Friends. of times this is this is time for kind of like picking up some of those neglected things <laughs> that as you've been kind of studying and in the zone, um, do try to make time for those things. Um, and But also try to set yourself up well for success in the future, which is, I feel like maybe that's kind of the overwhelming theme of, of this <laughs> AMA. But happy holidays, everyone. Happy holidays. 